Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel. The NBA is back and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. This is my favorite sports betting app that is out there. It is safe and easy to use, easy to get your money in and out. I love that cash out feature. So if you're in good shape with one of your bets and you don't want to risk garbage time, you can get your money out quickly. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this NBA season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume, live on AMP. Happy Thursday, everybody. If you are listening on the podcast feed or on YouTube, remember that you can catch these shows first, live on AMP, 
immediately after the early slate of games. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter as well. That's where you can find the scheduling information for that stuff. We are going to be talking about tonight, Dallas and Brooklyn, and that epic overtime game that we just witnessed with a one hell of a flurry from Luca as a facilitator in overtime. And then I've got a lot of thoughts on the Philadelphia 76ers who are off to a horrendous start this season. And I think it's time for a coaching change. So we're going to get into some of the details there and why I think it might be the only pathway forward for the Sixers to improve. Um, This is an unforgiving league. Brooklyn yesterday puts together a solid half of effort against Milwaukee, and then they just finally relent under the physical onslaught of the Bucs, and they lose. And your reward for fighting and losing and improving in one night is that Luka Doncic comes to town. And you play hard, and you and you, you compete on the glass, and you make up some of the three-point, because the advantage for Dallas in this game was a three-point line, but you get a lot of that back by running and transition and getting easy, fast break points to bolster your offense. You're up 110 to 106, and it's crunch time, and now it's Luka Doncic versus KD and Kyrie. And... They subbed out Spencer Dinwiddie and went with Tim Hardaway Jr. down the stretch. Now, important detail for both teams. Lineups for both teams are in a completely different place right now. The Mavericks know who their best grouping is. You know, during the playoffs last year, it was Jalen Brunson in that spot. But for the most part, it'll be Spencer Dinwiddie. They went with Tim Hardaway Jr. because Tim Hardaway was shooting really well in a spot-up role, and he ended up hitting a massive shot in OT, the first one that kind of – the first pick and pop that he hit. But it's all the same grouping. It's going to be Dorian Finney-Smith. It's going to be Reggie Bullock. It's going to be Maxi Kleba. It's going to be Luca. They know what they are, and they know what they're going to do at the end of the game. The Nets are trying all sorts of stuff. They had David Duke out there for a while. They had, you know, they went with Yuta Watanabe for a while out there. Those are guys that probably aren't going to be playing when this team is fully healthy. So I will throw them that. But at the end of the day, it was two distinct archetypes of NBA star competing against each other in a crunch time environment. And it was my favorite type of star, the big point forward, the facilitating big wing that can punish his way to the rim and have some shot making, but his specialty is deciphering a defense and dissecting the defense versus two classic three-level scores. And the Nets had a classic conundrum for how to handle Luka. They could either leave him on an island and make him a score, or they could send multiple bodies at him and they can test his ability to pass the basketball. And they did a little bit of both down the stretch. At 110-106, Luca immediately isolates. All night long, he was targeting the small Brooklyn guards. He went after Patty Mills a lot when he was in the game. A ton of attacking Kyrie Irving. And there at the end, when it was 110-106, he got back-to-back uh, a driving layup and then a driving foul that he went to the free-throw line to tie the game at 110, living at the rim. Easy layups, high-percentage shots. And then after that, they started double-teaming him, and he picked them apart with the pass. On the other end of the floor, you know, Kyrie, there was a play where drove to the left and pump-baked, and Luka flew by him, and he got a pretty solid look on the left wing. It was like a contested pull-up you know, um, jump shot on that short corner on the left. And Kyrie's going to make that a lot of the time. But there's a lot more variance 
in the scoring archetype. If a shot's not falling, your shot's not falling. You know, KD had a pretty damn good look at three. They're a wide open three late fourth quarter that he missed. You know, there's some when you're when you're a, a, a pull up jump shooting scorer, you're gonna deal with some variance. But then when you look at Luca, it's like he's trying to get a wide open catch and shoot three for one of his best shooters, and he's got a bunch of them. Or he's taking one of your little guards and he's dog walking them down to the rim. And that's why I've always preferred that specific archetype. It's just uh, it's just a little bit safer. It's a little bit more reliable. Your shot quality is going to be better. And in this particular game, it drove them from 110-106 to winning the game convincingly in overtime. So in OT, you guys learned one of the difficulties of guarding pick and pop actions in the NBA. So when you're um, when you're dealing with a typical screen and dive, like pick and roll type of offense, you put your big in a situation where he can at least have an opportunity to guard both players, right? Like if Luca comes over the top of the screen and he's coming downhill at you, you can back up and you can kind of have some hope of contesting Luca at the rim while also contesting the roller. But as soon as you throw a popping big or a popping guard or a popping wing in that screen action and he pops to the three-point line, it is now impossible to run a traditional drop coverage. So you basically have a small handful of options. You can either switch it, in which case you're giving Luka Doncic another opportunity to guard or to attack a smaller defensive player, or you can double team him or hedge, right? And what they did there in overtime, just time and time again, they did it once with Reggie Bullock. They did it once with Maxi Kleva. They did it once with Tim Hardaway Jr. Is on that pick and pop, they two bodies ran with Luka, easy behind the back pass, all three looks top of the key, completely wide open for good shooters and they're going to go in and so that that's kind of the way that that dynamic that's the, that's kind of the way that that specific dynamic is incredibly difficult to guard Luca is not a traditional like I'm just going to go down and shoot every time type of score he's a make the right play guy if you guard him in single coverage He's going to take you to the rim if you're a smaller defender. He's going to hit you with dribble combinations for jump shots if you're a sl if you're a bigger defender that's giving him too much space. And then as soon as you throw multiple bodies at him, he's going to pick you apart by making the right play every single time. That specifically, you know, we did that we did a whole video on this over the summer where we broke down the different archetypes of scores and I have ranked the big point forward at number one on my list for that specific reason. I just genuinely believe you're going to get higher level shot quality as a result. The Luka matchup was a problem for, for Brooklyn all night long. Like I said, early in the game, he started up by posting up the small guards, Kyrie Irving and Patty Mills, getting it, whatever he want. Um, then there was that phase there in the second quarter where he's attacking you to want Navi every single time down the floor. And he really struggled with Luca's ball fakes and he was committing a lot of fouls. Um, then there was a stretch there in the third quarter where I don't know if he was just doing this for fun to try to prove a point or if David Duke was legitimately giving him some issues, which David Duke, I thought actually did a pretty solid job on him, although he ended up fouling out in this game. Um, but he started attacking Ben Simmons, like every trip down the floor, calling for Ben Simmons's man to come up and set a screen, get Ben on the switch and then he was walking him down to the rim every single time. I, I, I like it, And Luca, we've talked about this before. Luca just has a tendency to attack the other team's best uh, best defender or or things like that to get them out of help. But I also think he does it as a psychological type of deal. 
when he's scoring on Ben Simmons, and I think he got another bucket on him in OT, if I remember correctly, when he's scoring on Ben Simmons, he's talking more shit. He's being more demonstrative about it. He's trying to take the life out of your team. You know, LeBron used to do this for ages in the, in the Eastern Conference playoffs where he would want to, he would go for the sweep and, and try to humiliate you for the specific purpose of ending the series quickly because he knows as soon as you mentally lose confidence and you lose your belief in your ability to win the game, it's over for you. A lot of you Toronto Raptors fans probably have a lot of PTSD from that. The one thing I'd watch out for with Luca this year that's a little concerning, and he had another monster night tonight, but uh, I'd watch out for fatigue. His usage rate right now is up over 41% coming into this game, and it probably was every bit as high uh, tonight. Obviously, a big part of that is Spencer Dinwiddie slotting up into that um, uh, into that second role and them not really having a third creator. My guess is that ends up being the thing that they target with the most aggression during the um, uh, during the uh, trade deadline era time of the season or during the buyout market. You guys remember me? I I, I wanted them to get Dennis Schroeder at one point, um, but with him not really having that third creator, his usage is through the roof. It's the first time in his career it's up over 40%. There's a little bit of a, a ceiling with that as it pertains to fatigue in the playoffs. We've just seen this time and time again. You run into a good team that has tons of perimeter defenders that can switch on and off of you and keep different looks, or you get a specific defender like, you know, so for instance, in this game, Brooklyn was way too quick to give the switch. Basically, anytime Luka wanted a specific defender, he got it. Whereas, like, you saw Golden State have a lot of success keeping Andrew Wiggins on Luka by Steve Kerr using, you know, kind of gimmicky things like putting Steph on a shooter that wasn't a good movement shooter. So instead of putting him on, on Reggie Bullock, who was a good movement shooter, he put him on Dorian Finney-Smith, who's more of a standstill shooter. So now when they run pick and pops with Dorian Finney-Smith, you're not in as much danger and Steph can hedge and recover and not have to give up the switch. They Golden State worked really hard and smart to keep Luka from attacking its weaker defenders, right? And so then over the course of a series, Luka's now attacking, uh, attacking Andrew Wiggins every time down and it just really wears on him. That's going to be a, a thing that he's going to have to deal with in at least one playoff series this year, if not multiple. So they're going to have to find a way to try to ease up his usage at some point. Now, one thing that's helping is Spencer Dinwiddie's been really good to start the season. Um, not a fantastic game from him, but he made some plays in the fourth quarter. I did think it was interesting that they went away from him in crunch time, but I thought that was mainly I thought that mainly had to do uh, with Tim Hardaway Jr. in a spot-up role. And Luka just had it going so well. Um, but Dinwiddie this year coming into tonight was averaging 18 points per game, which is the second highest mark of his career on 64% true shooting, which is the highest mark of his career. Specifically where he's been so much better is at the rim. He's making three shots in the restricted area per game on 62% shooting. Uh, compared to last year in the playoffs, that was the biggest thing that I was critical of Spencer Dinwiddie with was his ability to finish at the rim. He was only making one layup in the restricted area per game last year in the playoffs and only making them at 50%. I think a big part of that too is just the spacing that's so much better now that they're only playing JaVale McGee for a couple of shifts a game. And there's just a lot of Christian Wood and Maxi Kleeb out there and just real true five-out lineups that give him 
lots of space. But Dinwiddie's looking good, slotted up as that second creator. Their defense, Dallas's defense, is not quite where it was last year yet. Um, they really struggled to contain Kyrie Irving off the dribble tonight. But all in all, you got to be feeling pretty good about where you're at with Dallas right now. And you, like, I mean, I think Giannis, especially after last night, is still the best player in the world. Uh, but if I had to pick a guy who, and again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go away from my list from this summer. But the player that's been most impressive early, outside of Giannis, to me has been Luca, and obviously it's only been a handful of games, so I'm not moving my list around. But Luca's off to a damn good start. Uh, for the Nets, uh, a couple things I wanted to quickly hit on: Kyrie, he had a rough opening night, but he's been awesome ever since. He's uh, um, averaging, I think, over 33, 34 points a game in the four games since. Really hit the gas there in that fourth quarter, attacking the basket, uh, made some big shots. That's got to that's got to make you feel good if you're the Nets, especially since you have a lot of reinforcements on the way. Ben Simmons, I, I you know, there, he's one of the the big narratives surrounding the team this year, but I actually think he's been pretty good. This is not Russell Westbrook where he's killing you on offense and then not giving you much on defense. Tonight was a little bit of a rough night, but he you could tell he tweaked his back in last night's game and he just wasn't quite moving as well. Textbook signs of the the, the back issue like you're too upright, you're not squatting down in a defensive stance and you just look stiff and you're not moving well. Ben looked like he was struggling with that tonight, but throughout this season, he's been really, really good defensively. And he doesn't need to score more than 10 points per game. He just needs to be a Draymond type of threat. When you're rolling to the rim, you've got to be able to score. You've got to be able to occasionally make yourself appear like a threat when you're wide open. That's literally all you need to do, especially when you're playing again, uh, playing with great perimeter shooting. What makes Draymond work is... Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole are all operating from the perimeter. Similarly for Ben, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant specialize in hitting jump shots over the top of the defense. So spacing is just less of a concern. I think a lot of the talk, look, I I'm disappointed in where he's at offensively in his career. I think we all are. I think that goes without saying. It's, it's completely inexcusable after this many years to be – becoming worse and worse on the offensive end of the floor. I'm 100% with you guys there. But the Nets knew that coming into the season. That's not what they need him to do. They just need him to be an impact player defensively. He's rebounding pretty close to his career average, about seven rebounds per 36 minutes. It's about His career average is eight and a half. So with him not being quite where he was athletically as he's coming back from his back thing, I think that's fine. I think I think Ben Simmons is going to be fine. I'm just not worried about it. Kyrie Irving last night had a post game quote where he basically said, "Like, hey, we're just he hasn't played in two years. We're giving him a lot of positive affirmation. He's going to figure it out." I 100% agree. I, I, if you're if you're if you're the Nets, your issues are team wide as it pertains to co commitment to defense, details, physicality, those sorts of things. It's not a Ben Simmons issue. Um, one last bright spot for Brooklyn. You got off to a, a bad start this year. You lost back-to-back -back games. Their next five games are against the Pacers, the Pacers, the Bulls, the Wizards, and the Hornets. They're going to probably go four and one or better in those games. So you're like the the, the Eastern Conference has a lot of easier night-to-night matchups at the bottom of the conference compared to the West. You've got plenty of talent. Brooklyn's got lots of time to figure out. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. 
While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription. And free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops, that's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This out. All right, so let's talk about Philly for a minute. So they lost in Toronto last night. More of the same issues that I've been talking about all year. They were actually better in the half court last night than Toronto was. They had a 109 offensive rating in the half court compared to Toronto at 103. They just got destroyed in transition again. They gave up 29 fast break points. They gave up 21 points off of turnovers. They have right now the second best half court offense in the league, according to Cleaning the Glass. So their offense is in great shape right now. It's everything else that's killing them. They're 26th in defensive rating. They're dead last in transition defense, according to Cleaning the Glass. They're giving up almost 1.6 points per transition possession. Think about that. Two points would be a layup. So they're almost averaging giving up a layup on every single transition possession. They're the only team in the NBA giving up over 20 fast break points per 100 possessions. And a lot of it is on Joel Embiid and his antics around the rim, just trying to flop and draw fouls, not running the floor well. You know, this, this specifically, big big guys that aren't willing to run are, are the biggest culprit of destroying a team in transition defense. I did a whole video on this because of Anthony Davis last night getting destroyed by Nikola Jokic just by sprinting up and down the floor in transition. You can find it on my Twitter feed at underscore Jason LT. I put together a about a three and a half minute clip just showing all of the different ways that Anthony Davis jogging down the floor in transition killed the Lakers in a winnable game. And you're getting a lot of the same stuff out of Joel Embiid right now. That's a huge part 
of how Nikola Jokic is separating himself from the field. He's separating himself just by confronting one of the biggest weaknesses that comes with being what he is, a big, slow, big. He's making a concerted effort on every single rebound on both ends of the floor of sprinting the other way. And by doing that, not only is he taking advantage of the other slow-footed bigs around the league, but he's avoiding his own weakness when he plays against faster teams. The guards are also not doing it. Like specifically James Harden and Tyrese Maxey in these, in these transition situations are just kind of swatting down at the ball. No one's really willing to put their body on the line to cut off a ball handler. But it's not just transition. They're also 21st in half-court defense, according to Cleaning the Glass. They're 28th in rebounding percentage, so they're not rebounding well. They're allowing the second most three-pointers made per game in the league despite opponents shooting just 35% from three. So it's not like teams are lighting them on fire with shooting percentage. And then opponents are shooting 75% in the restricted area against this Joel Embiid-led Philadelphia defense, which is the second highest in the league. Now, a lot of that is being you know, uh, affected by transition layups. But the point is, is they're not guarding the rim well either. They're basically not doing anything well outside of scoring the basketball. And you can see it on tape. You can see guys not running back. You can see guys not stopping the ball in transition. You can see guys not rotating well. You can see guys aren't competing on the glass. Uh, I have a friend, uh, Espahareni, that uh, covers the Toronto Raptors. You can uh, find him on Twitter. He did a video breakdown last night that talked about all of the uh, we uh, all of the sloppy defensive rotations that you're seeing from Billy. Like there was a play where uh, uh, Niang was guarding the guy in the weak side corner and Daniel House was gu- guarding the guy in the weak side wing. And Niang had to go over to help on a drive. And so Daniel House, like, signals to Niang, like, points at him to go help. And he drops to the corner. And then Niang just stays in the corner. So now both of them are guarding the corner shooter. And then they kick it to the wing for a wide open three. That's just sloppiness. That's just not communicating. That's just not paying attention to the details. So when I'm looking at all all of that, it's going to push me towards Doc Rivers. The Sixers don't have a roster issue. Joel Embiid mostly looks like Joel Embiid, although he's working his way back into shape, but he's not as bad as he was in the first two games. James Harden might not be back yet, but he looks certainly looks a hell of a lot better than he did last year. Tyrese Maxey is averaging a career-high 20 points per game on 57% true shooting. Tobias Harris is shooting over 40% from three for the first time since he joined the Philadelphia 76ers. A lot of stuff is looking good in terms of talent for the Sixers. It's They're not sharp in the details, which is always going to point me towards the coach. Now, I've never been high on Doc Rivers. I think he's been riding on a lot of reputation from the 2008 Celtics title. Uh, I find him to be stubborn. Um, Last year in the playoffs, I insisted that when they went down to Miami without Joel Embiid, that they needed to not play DeAndre Jordan. He's one of the worst rotation players, if not the worst rotation player in the entire NBA And then they went down and played DeAndre Jordan for 31 minutes against the Heat in game one and two, and they were minus 31 in those minutes, which literally cost them those two games because they were positive without him. And then you went home and you won two games with Joel Embiid. If you just didn't play the worst NBA player in the league, maybe you steal one of those games, and now you have an opportunity to win that series. He did a similar thing with Montrez Harrell in the bubble against the Denver Nuggets, even though everyone watching the games knew that that specific matchup Jokic was having his way with. 
Doc Doc Rivers is just he's 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 stubborn. He's very he's very much a player's coach. When he gets a guy that he likes, he'll ignore evidence in favor of playing him. And then the truth is, is the Sixers just aren't sharp in the details. Like we said, if you're not if you're not a good transition defense, that means you're not running back and communicating. If you're not rotating well, it means you're not communicating and putting in extra efforts. If you're not rebounding well, it means you're not boxing out. And you're not crashing the glass. If you're not doing those things, it's because you're not being coached to do them or you're coaching them and the players just simply aren't listening to you. Either way, there's one way out of that, and that's a coaching change. And this is not just this year. They weren't sharp in, the, in those details last year. So you got to look at you got to look at the situation here. You can't trade James Harden. That would make you worse. You can't trade Joel Embiid. That would make you worse. There's no real significant personnel weakness. You've got good perimeter defenders on the roster. You've got a forward in James Harden that can create from the perimeter. You've got the ultimate mismatch in Joel Embiid. You've got tons of guys that can hit shots. You have one of the most exciting young guards in the league in Tyrese Maxey. It's not like, a, oh, there's if we just got this player, everything would be fine. No, you need the guys in the locker room to start doing the damn things you need to do to win basketball games. And so the only way to do that is a change of leadership. And then, you know, we've talked a lot about this, but guys get burnt out. And, uh, you know, I saw the Lakers tune out Frank Vogel last year. And then this year, I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron have been a nightmare in transition, but they've both been very good in half-court defense. So just a change of scenery, just a different guy in the locker room. Frank Vogel is a great defensive coach but just a different guy in the locker room, a different voice is resonating with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And they're actually competing on the defensive end, at least in the half court. That's kind of what you hope for. Get a different voice in that locker room. And all it takes is just getting your very good basketball players to buy in on that end of the floor. Are they ever going to be a top five defense? I don't think so because you have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey on the floor at the same time. And the two of them just aren't very good defensive players. They're two of the worst defensive guards in the league. but. When you have Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and P.J. Tucker, you sure as hell can be a hell of a lot better than you are now. And at this point, like, I, I, had, the, I had the Sixers at fifth in my power rankings. And that's because I see them as just as talented as the top teams in the, le uh, top teams in the league. I have specifically said that I think their top four is arguably the most talented top four in the league. So there is urgency here that they need to take advantage of. And the only way that I think they can get out of it at this point is to consider a coaching change. It's It's been a long time coming. They probably should have done it this last summer. And if they wait much longer, they might dig themselves in a hole that's really difficult to dig out of. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. Couple of details. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're gonna be covering the Golden State Warriors game against the Miami Heat tonight. I also want to hit on a couple of teams that we haven't hit on yet. So those of you guys who are listening, get in the YouTube comments and tell me about some specific teams that you guys are interested in hearing about. And if I get a, a bunch of repeats, I'll, uh, I'll put them on my list for tomorrow. And then after that, we have the weekend off and we'll be back on Monday. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support and I'll see you guys then.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 